Hey everybody, welcome back to Friday Live. Um, as you notice, we've got Tim is on the little screen. He's gonna wave at you there. Tim, say hi and see if they can hear you. Hi, Tim. Um, I am interested in somebody that's out there. Hey, Betty and Jimmy Lamprey out there watching. If if any, can y'all tell us if you can hear Tim? Okay, that's kind of one of the things we got some technology trying to work out here. So Tim, say hi again. Let's make sure they can hear you. Hello, everybody. Hopefully you can hear me, and if you're lucky, you can see me too. Uh, yeah, I don't know about that, but um, we're gonna be back here in just a second. We're gonna be talking about Romans 13 today. Got a lot of stuff going on that we want to. Uh, uh, just to kind of update you on about where the ministry's at and some things that are going on, but mostly we're going to dive into Romans 13. And uh, so stay with us and uh, we'll be back here in just a second. All right, guys, welcome back. Um, a couple of things, uh, just real exciting stuff going on. If you're anywhere near the Lindale area, um, we'll be at Cross Brand Cowboy Church starting Wednesday for the following three Wednesdays. Um, starting the 9th, we'll be teaching our, our Bible study course uh, to the Cross Brand Cowboy Church there. Mike Morrow is the pastor. He actually was my debate coach in high school. And... Um, Hey, Tam my wife is watching. Hey, Tammy, thanks for joining. But uh, we're going to be there the next three Wednesday nights um, teaching that course. If you are interested, hey, and if you're in that area, you ought to plug into Cross Brand Cowboy Church if you're not plugged in somewhere. Um, it's a great church uh, and just great pastor, great people. Um, other big events happening right now, our, our app is currently under development. And I had somebody ask me the other day, say, what, what do you mean your app? Well, it's an app, but uh, the uh, the big thing that I guess for us that's exciting is we're going to be putting our, our training that we do for pastors down in Mexico and in the Valley. Um, we're going to be formatting it and putting it on the app, and um, they'll be able to get the app. But the, the exciting thing is is the app works fully offline, and it can be shared offline. Um, that's, that's really one of the big things that, that I'm excited about is you can actually pass the app phone to phone you can put it on flash drives sd cards and load the app full with all of the training and everything so if there's no connectivity we can still send this training out and i know our missionary friend uh, pastor vinegas in costa rica is going to be using it in that fashion as soon as we can get it out met with developers this week we are good to go um, and thank you guys out there who gave and contributed last week um, we with the five thousand dollar matching grant that we had last week uh, it was kind of a, a last minute thing um, you guys out there pulled together and we were able to raise just, uh, just almost $11,000 counting that. So, you know, another, another 5,500 came in, um, to help us fund this app project. And we have, we have enough funds to completely turnkey the Spanish version of it. And we're going to also do an English version that's going to come out as well. Same thing. Uh, just, just a different language for, for those of us here in the States, really excited about that. Um, and uh, let me get my show notes. What else we're we gonna do? Um, yeah, and well, and it's March. Every year this year we do March Madness Bible giveaway where we we accept donations for Bibles and we give them to other ministries. But um, uh, this year what we're gonna be doing is focusing the uh, March Madness on 
uh, sponsoring pastors down in the valley. And uh, as we've said before, it takes $40 to outfit a pastor with all of the materials that we need to give them to, to utilize our app and study. And so we're, during March, uh, we're going to be, you're going to be hearing us push for, you know, sponsor a pastor for $40. Um, a one-time gift will take care of one pastor's materials. Um, the other need that we actually do have, and, and you'd be surprised how much of a, of a need this is and how easy it is to help, is, uh, is monthly sponsorships, uh, you know, a monthly partnerships. We have several who, who partner with us on a monthly basis, even some as low as $5 a month, but that's huge. That's 60, you know, $60 a year. That's, that's one pastor that's also helps with infrastructure, helps us be able to know what's coming in and what kind of trips that we can do. We have two trips on the books uh, right now uh, to go down into the valley to do training. We're, I would really like to do another trip either into Mexico um, or possibly into Costa Rica. And, uh, but uh, there's been some need expressed to actually go back down into Mexico and, and do another training down in there. So we're, we're looking at that. Lots of stuff going on. Y'all just keep track with us and uh, we'll, we'll keep you posted as stuff comes out. But it's just been a busy time in the ministry and uh, lots of stuff going on. So glad to, glad to have y'all with us. But before we, or in, instead of, I guess, let's just shift gears instead of doing all that. This is a little bit different since Tim's online and, uh, and I'm here in the studio. But uh, I want to jump into Romans 13. And uh, Tim, you said you wanted to start off with a particular verse in Romans 13. Well, do you have it there in front of you? You want to go ahead and read that for us? Yeah, I do. Um, so Romans 13, we're fixing to get into some more specifics. And remember last time when we were talking about 12, he started talking about specific ways to do things and stuff. So in human terms, we'll call those rules. Now, you know, we don't really want to follow rules and we don't want to get locked up into legalism and all that. But frankly, us being linear beings, we've said that before. Uh, it's really easy. Just tell me how I'm, what I'm supposed to do and how I'm supposed to do it. <laughs> and uh, right up until the time we start having to do something that we don't want to do, <laughs> then it starts getting a little weird. Uh, but in so 13 starts talking about uh, do what your government tells you to do right and uh, not owing to anybody you know pay your bills and keep current that kind of thing that's what 13 started to talk about but in verse 11 uh, I'm, so I'm reading now New American Standard I, I can't get to my New Living Translation but it says do this knowing the time as in knowing what time it is now, that it is already the hour for you to awaken from sleep. For now, salvation is nearer to us than when we believed. Right. So, you know, all Romans, we've been talking about the redemption thing. Uh, he, he, uh, he, speaking of God, he kind of took the responsibility of that disposition of sin and did something to take care of it. That's what the cross was for, right? And so that was a big supernatural thing that none of us could do. Uh, but uh, so we covered all that, and he starts talking about specific things that you should be like and what you should do and how you should be. So here we are. So the point is that I'm getting at uh, before we read the government part, because everybody's blood's going to start heating up whenever we start reading that kind of stuff. And it really doesn't matter what side of the spectrum you sit on politically or something. Uh, 
this is the part you got to remember. He is authority. He is the vision of what authority really is. And you have to yeah. look at it from his perspective and not how man thinks it looks. Cause that starts getting frustrating and it will get frustrating. So the reason I started with verse 11 was, is knowing the time, the redemption has been done. And so all we're waiting on is, is the kingdom to come back and all the other evil things that have transpired to be blown out of the picture. And we're back like it was before the fall happened. Right. And according to verse 11 and through there, it is like a hair's breadth close, even though we've, it's 2000 years after, after the cross happened. But in God's time, that's a nanosecond. So the point is, is focus on the one that's telling us to do these things and don't focus on the thing specifically and make that the eternal thing. Don't make the rule the eternal thing. Make the thing that's telling you to do it the eternal thing. Does that make sense? It does make sense. You know, and as we've talked, as Tim introduced, I know, a couple of weeks ago at church, and we talked about it last week, this idea of the house of God versus the face of God. And not that the house of God is bad, but it's easy for us because it's not, it's great, but it's easy for us to get focused on the checklist type things. And we just want to push back on that, that, you know, don't make the thing that's in here the main thing, because the main thing is, is yes, there are steps that we need to take and there are things that we need to do, behaviors that we need to engage in that reflect our knowledge and reflect that we understand where the authority comes from. Um, because we're like Tim said, we're so linear. We want to immediately be like, oh, look, here's some things it says to do. And if we don't do them, then we've fallen off the wagon. We can check it off the list or, or, or if we did them, we get to check the list and think that we're awesome. But the fact of the matter is, is even though some of the specific things that he outlines in Romans 13, that we ought to be doing because they were handed down from an authority that was given their authority by the ultimate authority, which is God. We even see Paul acting outside of the scope of that himself from time to time um, in, in terms of how much importance and how much uh, we give to it. Is there a place for civil disobedience and sort of things like that? You see the apostles talking about we ought to obey God rather than men. And so if we get caught up in the minutiae of it, of each, every individual thing, we're going to lose the fact of the kingdom that there is an authority um, above all of the specific, you know, magistrates and or um, laws and or, you know, little edicts or whatever, that while they're good, hopefully, uh, that there's also a, an authority and a power that transcends that. Does that make sense, Tim? Well, it does, but we're both kind of getting off in the weeds with it. So yeah. just read the thing and let's see what kind of emotions spin up from it. Um, if you're if you're out there watching, I want to remind you: if you've got questions, or if you got thoughts, or just just comment and let us know. We'll try to address them too. You know, if you think that we're off base, or you think we're a bunch of weirdos, put that in there. If you, or if you've got a thought about what we're saying, put it in there. We'd like to address it. Uh, Romans 13 starts off says, "Let everyone submit to the governing authorities, since there is no authority except from God, and the authorities that exist are instituted by God." And we talked about that. I Actually, Tim, I looked up that word submit because here's what I hear from people. Well, the word submit doesn't really mean submit. You know, and we, we want to start doing these. It depends on what the definition of is is. Exactly. And, you know, we start we start doing these linguistic gymnastics. And, and 
the word is hupotasso and in the Greek, and I, and I just jotted down some of the, the definitions that we find in it, and it means to subordinate, to put into subjection, to obey, to submit to the control of, and to be subject to. Um, in the military sense, it was used um, for you arrange troops under the central command or under a command structure. Um, in the non-military sense, it was used in terms of it's a voluntary thing. And so any way you look at it, the word submit literally actually means, hey, Tanya, nice for you to join us today. The, uh, any way you look at the word submit, it means that there's somebody in charge of you. In this yeah. realm, and it's this is specifically talking about the government authorities, but there's a reminder that the government authority is not the ultimate authority, whether they recognize it or not. Um, right. And I think that's a big key is the government doesn't have to be like, oh, we're a government empowered by God. Even if they don't believe that, they'd be an atheistic government, you know, or China or, or you know, some of these other countries that, that don't recognize, you know, God or whatever, even our own for a great deal of it. But that doesn't mean that they're not given their power by God, and it doesn't mean that they're not in subject to his authority. Does that make sense? Well, it does. It's not subjective either. That's one thing that all of us have in common. We all get mad at our governments. Uh, and, but if you look in scriptural history, you look at the prophets, you know, whether it was Elijah or, or, uh, uh, Samuel or really any of them, they were living on the authority of whatever Hebrew King was going on at the time, mm -hmm. even though that they could see past it and see that they were messed up, they were still subjected to that guy. Right. And so it's a practical movement. Uh, and you don't have to like it, but the, you know that, uh, oh man, it, we think it's hard to live under the subjection of our government right now here in the U.S. I don't know about our Mexican brothers and sisters. They, could, they might have their own comments about theirs, but uh, we think it's really messed up now. When Paul was writing this to these guys, <laughs> Right. It was really messed up uh, relative to being able to see what you think the perfectness of the kingdom is. And it's obvious, like, look, guys, why don't you just do it this way? So the frustrations were there. Uh, they were deeply there. Uh, so it's nothing new. Well, and, and so when Paul that, there was, talks there was, about. Go ahead. There was persecution in the day when he wrote this that we don't see oh, yeah. specifically towards the church. And, you know, one of the things that I jotted down that it's, it's markedly absent from this passage, and, I, and again, we'll, we'll read it. Well, let me read verse 2. Let me read a little bit more before I make my comment. It's like, he says, So then the one who resists the authority is actually opposing God's command, and those who oppose it will bring judgment on themselves. And this is where people get freaked out. And, you know, we have this cultural thing in American Christianity that has somehow equated being a good Christian with being a good patriot and they're just not the same thing and if you want to be a good Christian then you've got to be super involved in politics I'm not saying you should or you shouldn't I can't speak to that for you yeah, yeah, yeah. but where the government is not transgressing God's laws it is pretty explicit that He's kind of just like, to me, he's almost rolling his eyes and going, guys, God gave them that authority, and unless they're going to oppose his laws, 
He gave them the authority. Quit wrestling against them because we've got other things to consider. Uh, there's other, our, our focus is otherly and don't get yeah. wrapped up is kind of what he's saying in the minutia of whether we should or shouldn't each proposition, you know, go down. If he's not violating God's law, he says, God gave him that authority. Don't resist God himself by resisting the authority that he gave that entity over you. Um, and, and, and get on with the kingdom work that is at hand. Um, and this is yeah, what about the ones that say, I can't do my kingdom work because they're jacking it all up. Well, then I think that that's where there's a, there may be a price to get paid to have to do it. And I can't speak to that. I mean, I might be able to speak to a situation and what I think, um, is going to happen. But I think that, that we are faced with situations where there's a kingdom work to be done. It needs to be done, but it's going to fly in the face maybe of some of the local, uh, I keep wanting to say the word magistrates, but that's a person, but local ordinances. I think that's a risk we have to run sometimes. If God says go, we have to go. Um, and you, ha you have to, to do, it's like the underground church is violating the laws of the, of the countries that they're in, in Iran and Iraq and Pakistan and China. Um, but I think that the kingdom work there to be done should be done. I also think it can come with consequences that he says he'll be with us through. Um, and yeah and no that's exactly right uh you know the world is gonna the world is going to come against you not just because of who jesus says he is i mean that that's the certainly the basis of it but it's mostly a selfish effect mm -hmm. um because it wants what it wants and it doesn't matter what the motivation of that is. And so you're going to get slapped around <laughs> in one way or another anyway. <laughs> but one of the, so I, I can't remember the word in verse two that was there for mine says uh, that, that I think makes it a little clearer. Therefore, whoever resists authority has opposed the ordinance of God. Right. Ordinance isn't necessary. Ordinance is more of a guide than it is a specific listed rule. So the point is, is in general, follow your government and be obedient to it. And, you know, it's pretty easy. You get a ticket, pay the ticket. Right. If you don't pay the ticket, you may get a warrant out for your arrest. And if you get stopped, it's going to cost you 10 times more money. And you may have to take a trip down to the jailhouse to do it. That's a repercussion of right. something that an ordinance, if you had just taken care of the thing, wouldn't have been that big a deal. Well, if they're asking great... you to go cut people's heads off, right? That might be a little different because that's a blatant thing where they're going out against the ordinances of God, so to speak. Well, then I think it's important to to be clear that we always want to follow the ordinances, the oracles of God. I think that word can also be, you know, the, the, the words that God has given us. I also think we should be careful, and there's some caution to be going out, not to confuse what we think the ordinances of God are, but really they're ordinances of man. Um, yeah, there, are, yeah. there are things that come out that are against God's law, and we should oppose them, you know. And it, for I'll give you an example. There was a time back in... Oh, early 2000s, there was this big dust up that, that the government was going to take away all of the tax exempt status from churches. And it was this big deal. I mean, we got to fight against that or whatever. 
And my response was really simple. It's like, if they do, you pay the tax and move forward. Yeah. That, that's it. You know, because honestly, by having that status, we're giving them some leverage into our teaching and leverage into doing, being able to have say over what we do anyway. And so I'm like, you know, if they want to levy a tax, okay, fine, we'll pay it. You know, I'm probably not going to go to battle for that because whether or not a church has a tax exempt status to me has zero bearing on whether or not the kingdom advances and whether or not the Lord's laws are being followed or not. Um, but there are those that would say it's absolutely imperative that we maintain it because they think that if we don't maintain our level of American freedom to worship and to move, that somehow the kingdom of God is going to be stopped, and therefore they equate those two things as being the same, and they're not. Um, well, and it's not the same that if uh, I agree with everything you just said, but it's they. Oh, what was I fixing to say about that? It doesn't say that, you know, when the time is around to talk about it and do you, what side of that do you support, not support? There's a time to be able to have that input. But once it comes down and in that specific example, if they came down and they were going to tax the church, that's not going to stop the church. Right. However, there are places where people might have a justifiable thought where they don't know what to do. Let me keep reading this. Uh, verse three, for rulers are not a cause of fear for good behavior, but for evil. Do you want to have no fear of authority? Do what is good and you will have praise from the same. Yeah. For it is a minister of God to you for good. But if you do what is evil, be afraid, for it does not bear the sword for nothing. For it is a minister of God, an avenger who brings wrath on the ones who practice evil. Verse 5, therefore it is necessary to be in subjugation, not only because of wrath, but also for conscience sake. Yeah. For because of this, you also, here's where I was getting, for because of this, you also pay taxes for rulers or servants of God, devoting themselves to this very thing. Render to all that is due them. Tax to whom taxes due, custom to who custom, fear to whom fear, and honor to who honor. Well, when you pay the taxes, there may be people that are going, wait a minute, that's paying for abortions or you know whatever else thing in there that's not right. And I get that. Uh, so therefore, I need to be up in arms and fight that. Again, you have the, there's nothing wrong with talking about it or pursuing a different, a different avenue that may need to be done different. And we have those abilities here. There's other countries you don't have those abilities. If you right. say something about it, they're going to cut your head off. Uh, here we still have it, but it's, it doesn't need to eat you up. If there's a tax for something morally like that is really having an issue, do you pay the tax or do you not pay the tax? So I go back to my, I wrote a couple of things down here. Faith is not in the rule of God, but faith in the God who rules. If he tells you to obey the authorities, you have to accept the fact that he will take care of those things so you be obedient. Right. And faith itself i stole this one from oswald chambers faith is trust in who faith is trust in a god whose ways i may not know or completely understand but whose character i do know right 
So it's the same thing in some way. You may be angry at God and you're mad at him. You tell him, you know what? I don't like you right now, but I do like you. You are good and you are who you say you are, even if I don't agree with that right now for whatever reason. Well, and one of the things I think that's kind of controversial to point out, and I say controversial because it really rubs against the sensibilities, particularly of Western um, American Christians. And it's if you go back to chapter 12, he says, do not render evil for evil. And he says, vengeance is mine, says the Lord, I will repay. When, yeah. when you say he's going to take care of those things, uh, those things that are above our pay grade, as it were, that are going yeah. wrong, we can affect change as much as we can. And I think that we can try to do that. We try to stand up for injustice. We do all those things. But ultimately, we may not be able to do that. We may not affect that change. Um, and the Lord will take care of those things in in his time, in his way. Uh, part of what rings true to me in this is like you said a while ago, when you're reading in verse seven and uh, verse six and seven, he says, this is the reason you pay the taxes is because the authorities are God's servants. Even a wicked king's heart can be turned by the Lord. And yeah. sometimes, you know, God even used Babylon and he used Assyria yeah. scriptures, these evil, wicked kings to perform his will. And he, we can get into that conversation about why God would allow the atrocities and things like that. That's for another day. But what Romans 13 does for me is it focuses my attention. It focuses my attention on what business he has for us, which is to make disciples and to advance the kingdom. And sometimes we're going to be able to do that in governmentally um, lenient uh, environments and then other times we may be asked to do that in governmentally oppressive environments as Paul was living in in his day when he wrote this and so I think when it boils down to what should or we shouldn't do um, we do get out in the weeds too much and I think it, I'll use the example of my property taxes um, I live in the state of Texas which means my property taxes are going up exponentially and it feels like you know, we we fought a revolutionary war over less than that, and it, but that doesn't mean that I'm not going to go and challenge those property taxes at my local magistrate, and I probably will. But if I lose, then I still have to pay that. And I think it's when he says because of your conscience, it's not just because if I don't take it, they'll come take my land or take my home. He says not just because of wrath, the scripture says, but because of your conscience, I want to be a good witness even to the magistrates that at the end of the day, I disagree with the tax, but it's been levied. They're an agent of God. They are they are part of who he is. And so I'm going to have to pay that. And I think paying that, even if it's an unjust tax in terms of it's too high, in my opinion or whatever, I think my testimony before God and my testimony about God before them is furthered by obeying Romans chapter 13 and just sucking it up and paying the tax. I don't have to be happy about it, except for the fact that I can be happy that I'm obeying God in that instance. Does that make sense? Well, it does make sense, but we can put it in a more desperate term too. All right. That could be your place. It could be paid for. For some reason, you can't come up with the tax money and stuff, and now you're stuck in a quandrum, and right. people argue and go, well, that shouldn't be, it shouldn't be, it shouldn't be. Well, maybe it shouldn't be. But in terms of verse 11 and 12 on this thing, your focus and vision has to be out there that that property that may have been in your family or that you sweated a lot of blood over to try to put it into place, it sounds really cold, 
but the kingdom is not sitting on how you should be treated. So if that means you got to sell it to pay your tax and deal with it, or even worse, they take it from you and sell it for a lot less than the value is to satisfy the tax and you're out on your can, that doesn't mean that the kingdom is messed up and wrong. Right. And so, and the other things is not looking at verse 13 and looking out on the broad scope. We always do this. Uh, how everybody should be doing, how everybody should be doing. You need to bring that focus in on you. Where do you stand with God in these things? And how are you going to, because you have to obey how the Lord tells you to obey and quit looking for people to back you up all the time at how it sh should be. We get lost in that. Yeah. And Paul is talking to individuals. He is talking to the church overall, but he's talking about how you have to deal with the one that's in charge of everything in reality. Well, and I think he wraps for, up. For me, that brings it in. It brings my focus back into perspective. I can't do anything about a whole lot of other stuff, but I can deal with it how I have to deal with it, even if it sucks. Yeah, well, and I think I think part of what he does at the end of the chapter, and he starts in verse eight, is if you just stop at verse seven, 13, one through seven is dealing with a lot of what seems to be specifics. And I guess they are, but he's talking about the specifics in light of a bigger issue, which is obeying the authority of God. And he, he yes. really brings it down to brass tacks in verse 8 when he says, Don't owe anything except to love one another, for the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. So what in the world? Why would he change gears so fast to go from paying your taxes, pay your bills, be a good citizen, as it were, you know, quit causing a ruckus, in love. Well, he jumps into verse 9, the commandments, do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not covet, and any other commandments. So he just Let's just cover them all. Let's, let's just go ahead and talk about them all. Are summed up by the commandment, love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no yeah. wrong to a neighbor. Love, therefore, is the fulfillment of the law. I'll use my example, the property tax. Here's what I've got to ask myself according to God's law. Do I have love for my neighbor and my neighbor in that instance is defined as the person levying the tax against me. <laughs> yeah. And if, if, if I love that person, my relationship with them, my sharing the glory of God with them far outweighs my desire or even my right to be correct yes. and to be vindicated. Yes. And so he's wrapping up all of these things about don't owe people, pay your taxes, obey your government, because... He says, we've got a different message. The message is not, you know, the message of Braveheart, one of my favorite movies of all time, you know, or even the Patriot. You know, there's messages that get portrayed. He goes, but that's not our, even if they're good messages, those aren't our primary message. Our primary message is, is that the world needs a Savior and it's broken. That Savior is Jesus. And we're here to share his gospel and to share his yeah. glory. And he says, you know what? You may be paying some taxes sometime that you disagree with but we do it out of conscience so that we can now have witness to them because if we love them like we're supposed to love them, then our desire for their salvation and, and to be able to witness to them outweighs our desire to be right and keep our money. And that's where people go off the charts. They think that I'm crazy when I start saying stuff like that. But I have to ask myself, do I love, because we just got through in chapter 12 talking about you bless those that do wrong to you. So if you want to say, well, the taxes are wrong, I understand that. He's already covered that. 
You're supposed to bless them and not curse them. Well, but that makes them our enemy. Okay, he says, if they're thirsty, give them drink. And if, you know, you be nice to them and yeah. be kind to them. And yeah. one way we can do that is to submit ourselves to them. I think it, it all kind of wraps up in there. And where we have trouble with that, we ought to ask ourselves, do I love them? And if the answer is no, then that's where we need to put our work in, not necessarily on the the, the earthly side of things. Does that make sense? Oh, that that's that makes perfect sense. Well, there's two you know, of we us get that wrapped that, up. So, well, we get wrapped up in weird stuff too. You know, where he says, "Oh, nothing to anyone except to love one another." Well, if you're a person of not a lot of means, I think what he means by owing people is when you. Uh, don't pay the things you need to pay or something, uh, whether you borrow something from somebody or anything like that, if you want to get down on a personal level. And so that's probably more of the owing. What's what we kind of wrap ourselves up in what owing something is, is that if people graciously give you things or help you with stuff, yeah, you want to go back and help them, but you don't really owe them in that respect, uh, in a sense that it's even. Now, if somebody gives you something and there's an expectation in there they don't tell you about, that's a whole different discussion. Uh, my point is, is don't burden yourself that I owe people things because they've been helping me. That's not yeah. the kind of owing that they're talking about. Well, and he, uh, and he, go ahead. No, go ahead. You, well, he done. finishes up this chapter and, you know, we, we want to, we're going to have to wrap up a little bit, but he kind of does really bring it all to a head. And, and if you can, I can even jump down into verse 13. Yeah. He says, let us walk with decency. I mean, that's really what he's talking about. He's like, <laughs> chapter 12 and chapter 13 yeah. is talking about how do I live and walk every day of my life as a follower of Christ, as a believer, that shows the world in such, such a way that I actually believe what I say I believe. And I think that one of the biggest issues we have in Western Christianity right now is we don't actually live out all the time what we say we believe. We start making all these qualifiers, um, you know, um, and, and we have to draw lines in weird places. But he was like, look, just walk with decency as in the daytime. In other words, don't try to hide your business. He said, you need to walk in such a way that it's it's just the way it is and you can live out in the open. Um, but he says, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual impurity and promiscuity. And then and ever, up to that point, everybody's like, oh, okay, I'm good there. I'm not a drunk. I'm not sexually promiscuous and all that. But then he says, but not in quarreling and jealousy either. And within the Christian community, especially when we start talking about some of these specific things, it starts throwing into politics, taxes, dealing with my money, dealing with my property. We all start fighting about it. And he's like, don't do that. We've got bigger things to fry, bigger fish to fry, bigger things to, to think about. And that last verse for me really does it. He says, but... In other words, he's, a, he's doing a compare and contrast. He says, don't walk in these sorts of dark things, including jealousy and, and strife and quarreling, but in, it's like, but instead, put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. Because if I was honest, when I get riled up about my tax rate, when I get riled up about some of the things that the government is doing, some of them are violating God's laws. And I think that's appropriate to be riled up about. Some of them, frankly, are violating my sensibilities and my own fleshly <laughs> desires. Yeah. And he and he says in there, you put on Christ so that you'll not gratify those desires and the pursuit of those desires 
in the quasi name of the Lord. So I guess one of my cautions would be as we look at dealing with the world around us, and I think that chapter 13 is telling us is there are structures put in place, obey them as a general rule. You should obey them. You should submit to them. Um, where they step way out of line on God's laws uh, or start crossing God's immutable laws, then, yeah, I think that there's a time for us to resist those things in our own personal choices. Um, and there are certain things that get have been handed down from the government that um, I, you know we probably wouldn't wouldn't walk in. But as a general rule, that's what we have to do. And the purpose is is because we love them. And it's like we talked about last week. I went back and listened to make sure we you know where we were. Is that whole heaping hot coals on people's heads thing? If we're being nice to people so that they can get burned by hot coals being heaped on their head, we've missed the point. We're missing Be kind the point. To people so that the hot coals will bring them to repentance because you love them enough that you want them to come into the faith. Kind of the same thing here is, you know what? This may be an unjust tax or maybe an unjust governmental whatever. He says, you know what? Do it anyway because you should love them enough to hope that through even your kindness, they would come to the faith. And, and so the, the battleground that happens in my heart is I want to be right. Uh, mm. I, I, I want to be vindicated. And that is a battleground that the enemy wages in my heart all the time. But Romans 13 reminds me that's not the battleground. The battleground is their soul. The battleground is do I or do I not actually love this person? And if the answer to that is no, then I'm the one that's got work to do, not the ordinance, not the, not the government. It's right here on me because it's going to be really hard for me to be kind to my enemy if I don't love them. Yeah. Do we need to wrap up or yep. I have I'm, a minute? I was just fixing to ask you if you got anything else. If not, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna stop for the day. Well, yeah, so everything you just said, I think so the reason I, I wanted to start in verse eleven and through there is he's talking to save people again. I, I spend a lot of time wondering what life would have been what what life was like before the fall, before Adam and Eve sinned. And of course, you kind of have to imagine, you know, people being born and all kinds of stuff and everything. What, what, what would that be like? You know, Adam and Eve lived in a, in a condition with God that he intended for all of us to live in, where he was so ingrained and so a part of everything we were, we just walked and did and never even thought about it, probably. Not in a bad way. And so you would be in that, you would be, you would be, motivate is not even the right word motivated means that there's something opposite of that to draw it but you would just lend your hand out to help people do things and you know there was work and all that kind of stuff before the fall uh, but it was probably pretty successful and fulfilling and and not on your own merits it wasn't all related to, or burdened on you you just turn around to the lord and you'd work things out and talk to him while you're working or you know i, I can't really paint a really good picture of that but if that if that is the measure of what we're looking for, that's what the redemption was for. It was to put us back in that same air, so to speak. We still have to deal with all the stuff around us. But when he says in verse 13 there, let us behave properly as in the day. I think that's what he's talking about. Yes, it is day when the light is out. It does refer to that. 
but what would it be like if you were in a place where you didn't have to deal with sin all the time and how would you deal with one another in those respects man it would be good because you wouldn't know anything different you couldn't even want it you wouldn't even want to comprehend anything different and that's not a shangri-la way to look at it that's a that's real that's that's the real life right and so my point is is when you're in that thing all this other stuff that's going on pales in comparison of what that's like so it doesn't really matter right just because our world is broken doesn't mean that we can't live in it as if we're not yeah and and i think that's part of his call in romans 13 is yeah your world's busted up um but you're supposed to live in it like you're not busted up because you've been repaired you have your flesh whatever but you have the power of the Holy Spirit. I have the power of the Holy Spirit yes. to walk in a busted up place and interact with it as not busted up people. Yeah. And, and I think that's the call. Appreciate you guys joining us today. Um, I hope you all see us back next week. Don't forget to pray for us next week as we start our three-week journey at Cross Brand Cowboy Church in Lindale. Um, if you're anywhere around that area and want to come visit uh, them and, and visit in on our study, I want to invite you to come, and you'll see a bit more about that on our Facebook channels. Thank you again for everybody who gave to us uh, last week and helped us to get over this next hump for the app, for our partners down in Mexico and Costa Rica. We appreciate that uh, more than you know. You guys have a great day. Have a great weekend. And I hope that you'll find yourself in a local place of worship on Sunday, meeting with God's people and uh, hugging somebody's neck. And, and as you're getting fed, as Tim always says, make sure you're feeding someone else every day and as we walk through this thing. See you guys later. Thanks for joining us, Tim. Bye. Uh-